0: Running away from home at the age of 16 to join the rebel army sounds like something that happens in young adult fiction, in a book by John Marsden or Suzanne Collins. But that is exactly what Rebecca Waugh did in what is now South Sudan. Rebecca has lived an incredible life. She has spent decades in war zones and refugee camps before she was able to move here to Australia. She's a mother of six children, and she was only able to bring three of them with her to Australia. Once here, she had to escape domestic violence and also negotiate to have her three children back in Africa, educated, cared for, and ultimately for two of them to join her here. You're listening to New Home, a podcast that shares with you some of the stories of migrant and refugee women living in regional Victoria. There are thousands of migrants and refugees like Rebecca living across Victoria in cities, small towns, and regional communities. In this series, New Home, we're inviting you to spend a little time hearing incredible stories from women who are putting down roots here, building friendships, new skills, community, and new lives. My name is Ali Hanley, and I'm producing this program from Jara Country, the traditional lands of the Dja, Dja I pay respects to elders past and present, I also acknowledge the traditional owners from the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands you may be listening from. Before we begin, I want to warn people that there is discussion of both war and domestic violence in this episode. Please listen at your own discretion. Before we hear from Rebecca, I want to give a little bit of historical context, because before I spoke to her and started reading about the Sudanese conflict, I honestly didn't really know much about it. Sudan and South Sudan are countries in the northeast of the African continent, just to the south of Egypt. Sudan has a border on the Red Sea opposite Saudi Arabia. South Sudan shares borders to its south with countries like Ethiopia, Kenya and Uganda. The region has historically been occupied by many different ethnic, tribal and cultural groups, and it's been absorbed by many different empires since the pharaohs of Egypt and most recently was controlled by Egypt until 1956. What is now Sudan and South Sudan are very different, both culturally and environmentally. Sudan is a direct neighbour to Egypt and is largely extremely dry, with the Nubian Desert to the northeast and the Bayuda Desert in its east. In the south, there are grasslands and some tropical savannah. South Sudan, on the other hand, is covered by tropical forest, swamps and grassland. Culturally, Sudan has been largely Muslim, with Arabic as one of their official languages. South Sudan, on the other hand, has had populations who practice Christianity and traditional faith, with few Muslims, and they speak many different languages. So Sudan separated from Egypt in 1956, and then in 1989, a military dictatorship took control, and at that point in time, Sudan included what is now South Sudan. And this regime was accused of human rights abuses, including torture, persecution of minorities and ethnic genocide, including the war in the Darfur region that began in 2003. Overall, the regime's action killed an estimated 300,000 to 400,000 people. South Sudan gained independence from Sudan in 2011 after a prolonged conflict but then it descended into civil war itself between different ethnic groups, which lasted until just two years ago in 2020. Rebecca is just one of many displaced Sudanese people now living in Australia. She lives in Bendigo, she's a grandmother, and she speaks six languages. English is just the most recent one. What was life like for you growing up in South Sudan?
1: In our country... The life before is good when the war not start. So before the war, Although life was before, good. Yeah, life is good. Yeah, and when the war is start and life change, yeah. we run to town to town. I born in the war, and uh, my father have five wives. we set seven children, and I'm last born in the house. You're
0: the last one? I'm the last one, yeah. You're the youngest
1: of 37 uh, children. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Before when I'm five years old to six, I know the life is good. You can't hear any gun or anything, just only the life is good. Were
0: your parents from a small town or was it rural? Did they farm?
1: Yeah, my parents, we live in a small town, all the Sudanese we farmers. We grow our food and everything. And what were you growing? What sort of food? Do you know? Uh, we grow surgum and corn and some stuff like vegetable and everything. And we grow them there.
0: What sort of animals would you have?
1: Uh, we have cow and goat, lamb, many things.
0: And so during the war you were saying... Everybody had to leave their home. Yes, yes. And they were moving, trying to avoid conflict, running away from fighting. Is that what yes, was happening? yeah.
1: We didn't leave Sudan. The people, they still there. And we didn't leave all our place. And just only people run to town, to town before when we're fighting before North and South. And I went to Ethiopia. I joined the army.
0: The Ethiopian army?
1: All the South Sudan, we joined the army from Ethiopia. I left my country to go to Ethiopia to join.
0: Ah, because that's where they were training. Yeah. How old were you then? Like 16. Okay. 16
1: yeah. To 17. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And what made you want to do that?
1: To defend my country. Yeah, that's why I went there.
0: And at that stage in your life when you were 16 and you wanted to defend your country. Had you seen members of your family fighting and joining the army and people around you?
1: No one joined the army from my family. Uh, just only just only me, I joined the army. My first child to my mom, he police officer in, in Khartoum in North.
0: So your older brother?
1: Yeah, my older brother.
0: And, and he was in the north of Sudan.
1: Yeah, north of Sudan. Yeah.
0: So you were on opposite sides of the conflict.
1: Yeah, um, opposite side. Um, before is Sudan, and some years ago, like we defend and now we have south and north.
0: And so, at that stage, when you were sixteen, your older brother was a police officer in the north, yeah. and you were in the army for the south. Yeah.
1: Was much of your family split
0: between north and south? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Between North and South, uh, we, you know, we're fighting. We need our country to be separate. We have a lot of oil in, in our country, and North need to take it away from us. Dr. John Gerang decided to go to Ethiopia to make the army to defend the, the country. Yeah.
0: Okay, and so you joined the army. What was it like? What were, how long were you working in the army?
1: Uh, till uh, 2000 and till 91 when we left Ethiopia. How old were you? I have
0: three children at that time, yeah. So from the age of 16 to?
1: 21 or, or 20.
0: Okay. So yeah. while you were in the army, you had three children? Yeah. And did you do much fighting?
1: President Doctor John Gorang. He decided the woman can't go to the fighting,
0: to the front line.
1: Yeah, to the front line, and then just only we are waiting for the people they bring from war, and we clean all the the wounds. The yeah.
0: So you basically did some nursing.
1: Like nursing and we not study nursing yet. Okay. You did your best (laughs) to keep people alive. Yeah, we did our best. We keep people alive. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we do.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: So were you married at that time? Yes, I married. Yeah. We uh, We went to army and we married with my father. And my husband killed during the war, yeah, and we have two girls. And then when he died in the war, I find another father.
0: Okay, so you married, had two girls, and then he was killed. Yeah. And then you had another child with another man. So you were only in your early 20s by the time you left? Yeah. And what made you leave at that point?
1: When I leave, you know, I told my friend, I need to go to army, and my parents say no, no, no. I say yes, I need to go, and they say you can't go. No girl to go to, to be be soldier. I say why? Mm-hmm. They're not reading like no girl to go to army. Mm-hmm. Just only. I need to go. And they say no. And I escaped to go to, to So Ethiopia, you ran away. To run away, to go to Ethiopia, yeah. yeah. And
0: so then you trained and you had your children. And then what happened after that?
1: It's uh, 91, we left Ethiopia. And then we came to, to Kenya. Okay. We've been in a rubber camp in Kenya.
0: A refugee camp. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you say we, do you mean your girls, your children and your partner or everyone from everyone the South Sudan? Everyone from
1: South Sudan. Oh, that
0: whole army, yeah, everyone all, who was... All
1: the army and the people in in refugees in Ethiopia, all the people, they ran, they ran away from Ethiopia to Kenya.
0: Because Ethiopia started having conflict. It, conflicts. yeah. So how many people do you think that was?
1: Oh, many. Many? Thousands? Yeah, thousand yeah. people, yeah. Yeah. And many, many people, yeah. And so everyone ended up in Kenya? Mm-hmm.
0: And what happened in Kenya? What was life like there?
1: You know, when you go to another place, it's not like home. The home is very important thing. You don't have anything to eat, you know you had you at home. And we thank you to, you know... Supporting for UNHCR, UNICEF, and Red Cross, they take care with all the Roman Jews around the world, and that one we survive till. we still alive still today
0: because of Red Cross and UNICEF and
1: UNICEF and UNHCR.
0: The UN, yeah. And how long were you there?
1: I've been in Kenya for ten years.
0: And what was life like in the refugee camp in Kenya? Was it just tents? Was
1: it no, hot? Was we, it muddy? It's really hot. You know, the UN give the thing we build all the housing in there. When the food is less, and you need to to use your mind, like how you survive with your children or your neighbor's children. You know, when we in the robberies camp. You can't care by yourself. All your neighbours, when they don't have food and you have something, you need to share to survive. The one we survived till till now, until they still live there and until they do that.
0: So there are still people in that same refugee camp? In the camp.
1: same refugee camp, mm. yeah.
0: And so you were there for 10 years. What happened next?
1: Uh, my friend, uh, son-in-law, he wants a house to come to Australia.
0: So was he already here? Yeah. Ah, uh, so your your partner and his son-in-law, is that yes, what you're saying? Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. I have four children with him.
0: Did Were you and all the children able to come out here?
1: Uh, when I came, yeah, I came with uh, three children, one boy and two girls, yeah. and three left behind home. Okay. And 2010, I brought two boys back here, and they year here with us, just only one child left behind. And they're still there? and is still there. Okay. Yeah. How old is that child now? Uh, the first child is 30, 38 or 39. Years old? They're still over there, yeah.
0: But most of your children, like five of your six children, they're, they're, you've brought yeah. here?
1: Yeah. Okay. And
0: does the oldest one not want to come, or is it just not able to come?
1: i done the process before I sponsor her. And migration in rejected. They rejected, and they asked me for more money to go to to Ivina to pay the money. Yeah, and lawyer need more money for me, and I can't get that money. Yeah, is they need eight thousand dollars, and and that time I'm not feeling well. I I have operation in my knee, and I can't walk. And that's why they rejected. And how long did that all take? Uh, we're lucky. We thank God for that. Uh, just only six months. Oh, wow. Six months they call us for interview. Yeah. Interview to to everything. And just only six months. Yeah. And we came here 2002.
0: So you've been here 20 years? 20 years, yeah.
1: Where did you land in Australia? Where was the
0: first place you started?
1: Uh, Western Australia, Perth. Yeah, I've been there for three months and I moved to Victoria.
0: And the children that you were able to bring initially, how old were they when they came with you?
1: My daughter, she's 14 when we came Came here. And my son is five years and my younger daughter, she's one year and a half. Oh,
0: wow. And you were able to bring them because they were under age; they were still considered children?
1: Yeah, they still, it's a really long story. Ah. For, for two boys, I bought them some years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big, long story for, oh. for all these two boys. I bought them 2010 yeah. uh,
0: How old were they when you left Kenya without
1: them? The One of them is eight years and one of them is is six.
0: Okay, so there were six and eight when you left Kenya without them? Yeah. And who looked after them for those eight years before you could bring them?
1: In our country, we have different dialogues. My father is Dinka and I'm Nuer. Yeah, and uh, he kidnapped my children. To, to his country, two boys. two boys. He took them away from me yeah. and he decided we come to Australia. I say, okay, we go. Yeah. And I asked him, what about the children live here and say, don't worry about it, they live with my parents.
0: So he said those two would live with his parents.
1: Yeah, in Sudan, yeah. And when we came here, some years ago when I'm in, Swan here and I' decided to bring my children and he say no, we separated. yeah, the violence and lot of his stuff and all these things we separate.
0: So he did domestic violence. yeah yeah.
1: And some years ago, 2005, I talked to his brother, all the family in back home. I told them I need my children to come to his study. To study? To go to school? Yeah, to go to school. They live in village and I say, I need my children to go to school. And their parents say, okay, when you need your children, we you bring your children. And then I say I led her mom and my children to come together. Her mom to look up my children. So their grandmother. Grandmother, yeah. And I brought them to Uganda. So you went to Uganda to meet them? Yeah, I went to Uganda 2007. I went to meet them and I'm really happy. They go to school. The Catholic uh, pastor in Swanhill. I talked to him. I told him my children... In Uganda, and I need support to take them to his school. And the first uh, support me, he wrote a letter, and I put my children to Catholic school in Uganda. And he support them, and so I. You su-
0: were still there
1: too. I'm still. here. Yeah, I came back. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. So you met them in Uganda.
1: Yeah. Set them up in a school, yes, and then you yeah. come back. Yeah. And then 2008, a year later, I asked him, can we bring the children here to be, have a better life in here? Say no, I can't bring my children here. So he was living here too. And he living here. And I say, OK. I talk to my uh, caseworker. I say I need help. I need to bring my children here. And we talked to the office. They say when you need your children to come quickly, you need to sponsor them. And I sponsored them and 2010 they arrived in Australia. I paid a lawyer, I pay migration, I pay everything to support my children and I brought them here.
0: And so they would have been 15, 16?
1: When they came here, one is 15, one is 17.
0: Oh, that's great. And were they happy to be here? Yeah, they're Yeah. really happy. Yeah. Did they adjust to Australia? Was it difficult?
1: Uh, you know, it's difficult for them. Like in uh, Uganda, they go to school, boarding school. They live in boarding school. So the
0: grandmother went back home?
1: No, they still live in Uganda. When they come home for holidays, they live in, with grandmother and they go back to school.
0: So then once they moved to Australia, did she go back home?
1: Yeah, she went back to Sudan two, two years ago. She still lives in, uh, in Uganda. My, my son, my boy, they support their grandmother when they came here. When they finished school, my son working, and they support her grandmother. And So she
0: took good care of them. She was a good person. Yes,
1: yeah. And the person led my children to come to Australia. Is her and and the grandfather and the all the children? They support me to bring all these kids here.
0: It was just your partner,
1: just, just their father didn't uh, want them to. he don't want them to come here. Do you know why
0: he didn't want them to come?
1: Ah, uh, why is he he's Dinka and i You know, it's politics between these people. And then the father told him, you know. This kid before you know their mother is from different place and you different place and you love each other, you have children. We can't separate the children with their mom and we can't do that. When her mom needs the children to go to Israel or anywhere and we're happy.
0: They could say that it was best yes, for yeah. the children to be for with for the you. children,
1: yeah. And I thank you for them to to do this one for me. Yeah. Yeah. When they say, oh, no, these children, you can't can't take the children to school or Mm -hmm. this. And now my children to be, I think, in this war in South Sudan, now my children to be died. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And all the grandparents support my children to become in better life. Yeah. yeah. Now they came to Australia. So
0: they didn't want them to join the war. Yeah, to join the or, war. Yeah. Oh. Or... And is the conflict still going in yes, Sudan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's very difficult, isn't it? It's, it's difficult. It's been going for such a long time. Yes. Yeah. Whole lifetime, your lifetime, it's been yeah, going. Yeah, my
1: lifetime and my children's lifetime and my grandchildren's life.
0: Yeah. Lifetime
1: is is really tough. Yeah. You know, the country, when they have corruption, is not easy to be settled. It's difficult.
0: Yeah. No one can just live a normal life. A normal
1: life, yeah. Everyone's disrupted, Mm. yeah.
0: And so what was it like for you to come to Australia? Was, Was it very strange?
1: It's difficult. It's really difficult. I don't know how to speak English when I came here. Nothing, nothing. I went. English classes. I learn a little bit, little bit. You speak quite well now. It's good. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it's funny, but when I speak with my children and my grandchildren, they say, oh, mum, you need to go back to school.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do they all speak very good English? Because they've been here since they were quite young.
1: They live here and and my grandchildren, they say, oh, Nani is my one granddaughter. She thought, oh, Nani, you speak good. Don't don't listen to them. Aww. Don't listen to them. You're okay. So she was born here, your yes. granddaughter? all my granddaughters, they're born here.
0: And how old are they now? Uh,
1: the first is 16 and 13 and seven years old.
0: And so you landed in Perth and then you came across to Victoria.
1: I live in, in Melbourne in Dandenong for five years and I moved to Swan Hill 2006 till 2008 I moved to Bendigo. Okay so you've been in Bendigo for 2000, 2018. yeah. 2018. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to speak English and when you learn Different language is really hard, yeah. And, like, I speak six languages.
0: I was going to say, I bet you speak a few languages.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Six languages, including English? Including English, yeah. So you had five languages. and Including English, six.
0: Yeah, and so
1: your five languages, were they all African? African.
0: And are they similar to each other or are they very different?
1: Uh, different. Yeah. It's a difficult life to learn different. It's really hard. You know, when I learned to speak Dinka, when I went to army and I speak Arabic before, and when I came to Kenya, I speak Swahili.
0: So you've had to learn a lot of languages. (laughs) Every time you
1: move, you had to learn (laughs) a (laughs) lot. When I came to Australia and I learned English,
0: can you tell me a little bit about what it was like to, for you and your children to learn to, to live here?
1: It's really good, like uh, when your children go to school, back home, many children they don't have they not go to school. It's really hard. And when we came to Australia yeah, it's good for, for children to go to school. And all my children, they finish high school. And the younger one, the last born, she's in university in Melbourne. She studies psychology.
0: Were there people you could talk to and become friends with? Were there other people from Sudan that you could connect with in Australia?
1: Yeah, we have many people in community, also Sudanese. We still have our culture here. We teach the kids dancing and Everything they still do it in here, and sometimes when they do marry in Sudanese way, and that is not like Australian way, boyfriend and girlfriend not married nothing, and we still follow the culture. We don't need our children to be forget the culture. Yeah. What do
0: you miss most about home?
1: Yeah, you know. We miss home a lot. You know like in our country like in here in Australia mm. we have cemetery when people go to heaven and you take them to the cemetery there. Yeah. And in our country we don't have cemetery there. Mm. We bury the people in front of the house.
0: So wow. you get you get buried on your own land. Our own land.
1: Yeah. yeah. You can't take it away from from his land to to take it far away yeah. you know like the blessing when you take someone away far away yeah. and you know is uh, what what they call uh, like the spirit uh, yeah the spirit to be far away from the family need to be close to the family
0: and so to live in australia when all of your family and all your ancestors are back there, is that difficult
1: yeah it's difficult we can't do nothing, you know. When we have a war we in Robert G's camp, when you fast away it doesn't matter where you bury it. Yeah, you bury it anywhere. And the people back home in our country they still buried at home, not outside.
0: Yeah, that's the difficulty of war, isn't it? When yeah. you lose your land because the soldiers come and there's fighting and mm. you can't be where mm-hmm. it was. So how did you, when you moved to Victoria, like how did you get set up with a house and did you have to find work and, do you know what I mean, like the practicalities of how you survive really? (laughs) Did the government help you?
1: Yeah, when I moved to, before in uh, Western Australia, when is, you know, when my father do the violence for me and and then it's a refuge they took me to women's refuge yeah the woman refuge and then i told them my family days they, they live in victoria and then they move me to pass to victoria year And they support me till I got the government house. Till now, this house I live here is government. They still support me till now.
0: Have you found work or?
1: Yeah, before some years ago, I do family daycare. I have my business. And when I have problem in my knee, I have arthritis. I can't leave the children and I leave the job.
0: And do you feel comfortable in Bendigo? Like, do you feel at home here?
1: I'm comfortable, I have friends, and not so Sudanese, all the community, we...
0: And what do you enjoy doing with your time?
1: Uh, You know, when the community gathering together, yeah, it's really good, like, different people, yeah, and it's really good, like, to know different people, and yeah, it's really good in in, here, yeah.
0: So you feel very connected to a community. A
1: community, yeah.
0: Yeah, great. Thank you for listening to New Home. Follow this series in your favourite podcast app to get new episodes or visit sbs.com.au slash newhome. If you'd like to get in touch, email newhome at sbs.com.au. If you or someone you know is impacted by domestic or family violence, free counselling and support services are available. Visit 1800respect.org.au or call 1800 737 732. They can arrange an interpreter or translator if you need it. The series was created and produced by me, Alison Hanley and Ginny Tan and additional editing by Max Gosford.